0: hypocrisy. What is revival? What is it when God moves in people's hearts and changes them from God's people? What is it when God's people get on fire for God and and are serving Him and loving Him and and things have a true meaning to them on a spiritual basis? What takes place? Well, a lot of things take place. We'll be looking at a long list of things. Justin read through many of them If you walk out of here the same way you walked in, that would be amazing today because there are so many different things that we're going to look at this morning that God looks at for His people if they're walking with Him. Now Romans chapter 1 to 11 is pretty doctrinal. There's a lot of doctrinal issues there if you've been coming to the Sunday nights when we've been going through Romans. It's really heavy doctrine. Chapter 12 now begins a very practical application of the 11 chapters of doctrine that uh, the Apostle Paul has given to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Very practical. I mean, when, it, when just when you listen to it and you're hearing the reading, it's so practical, and uh, there's so many things to work on. So uh, while uh, Justin was leading, you said, well, I got my steel-toed shoes on today because... Uh, We're going to get our toes stepped on a bit. There's no way on earth that you can go through this passage and not say, oh, yeah, I'm doing okay there, I'm doing okay there, but mm, maybe I need to do some improvement there. Well, that's part of the revival process. So just for those especially that uh, have missed or been sick, um, just a quick recap of what we've done done so far this month. The first uh, Sunday in March, we really spent a great deal of time looking inside of ourselves. We wanted a myopic look, and you say, well, you shouldn't worry about yourself. Well, in this case, there's some things we need to worry about self. One of those things is being what is our attitude towards God? How are we responding to temptation? How is sin affecting us? How is our walk with God? So we spent the first Sunday going through issues of literally reaching inside of ourselves. Last week, we reached up We spent uh, three messages on uh, looking at who is God, the Lord God Almighty. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. And we went through various attributes of God, who he is, and do we really realize and understand who God himself is? Today, we're going to get very, very practical, and we're going to reach around us. You say, well, what do you mean by that? I'm talking about uh, however many folks are in this room today, those watching on the Internet. If you look to your left or look to your right or you looked across the room or behind or in front of you, every single one of these people are people we're going to talk about today and how you can be a part of their life, how you can help them, how you can encourage them to walk with the Lord. So we're going to reach around us today. We've been in, we've been up, and now it's time to go around. And then next week, we will be 100% on evangelism, how to reach out and reach other folks for Christ. So I hope you'll be here for that as well. All right, well, let's get into it. Uh, take your Bibles, go to Romans 12. Actually, go to verse 1. We're going to set the context. Romans chapter 12, again, is a very, very boy, it just gets into you. It it looks at your heart, and it literally can rip us as, it's like, where's our focus? In the American culture, it's very, very self-centered. Everything is always about, what can you do for me? There's a certain pastor. I won't name him, but he's a great guy. I love him. And uh, he, he, he actually had this saying that he did. He stopped doing it because I think he got too much kickback on it. And uh, here's the statement. This is the church that's not all about you. Yeah, and I heard a few chuckles, right? It's like, oh, that's kind of a strong statement. And, and it is. But folks, here's, here's the thought. And I know what his heart was. He meant it in a good way. It actually corresponds with what we're looking at this morning that, listen, yes, we have needs, yes, we have issues, yes, we have heartbreaks, yes, we need things from the Lord, but so does everybody else around us. So as we look at this, yes, we want your needs to be met, every single individual here, but boy, what God looks at, and why, we, why do we come together on a Sunday morning at church? Why do we do this? I mean, what's the point? Well, it's like, if I asked everybody here, write down on a piece of paper why you come to church, what's, what, what's the importance of it? And I'm, I'm sure we get a scattered, uh, that'd probably actually be a good survey just to see why people come to church, but here's really uh, what church is. Why did God design the local church? Well, it's because God's people get together. We need fellowship. Now, of course, uh, I like to spell fellowship with four letters, F-O-O-D. Food is fellowship. And, uh, amen, there you go. That's why we have men's breakfast and ladies uh, at the ladies' lift. You got to have lunch, and we do all our uh, potluck dinners and our winter, winter chicken dinners. And, uh, I mean, everything's got food. And do you all eat? Do you all eat? You can answer, it's okay. Uh, yeah, amen. Yeah. And what is due? Food brings us together. We break bread together, it's an important part of fellowship. But all these things, why do we meet? Well, uh, we meet because we need each other. We meet because we want to learn the Word of God, I trust. We meet because we need to get pumped up that on the next six days as we go out into the battlefield that we're charged up, ready to go. We're thinking about God. We've gotten a little bit of direction, and we're going out there to do His work. And all God's people said? Amen. All right. Oh, I like that. That was good. All right. So let's get into it. Romans chapter 12, go to verse 1. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, what's the next word? God. Brethren. Brethren is referring to God's people. The brethren, that includes the sister in as well. No, that's not a word. But it includes our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's God's people. I beseech you, therefore, Christians or brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, here's, here's the, the the first punch that Paul gives us after the doctrinal section. Here it is. That you, Christian, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, meaning separated from sin, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Wow. What is God saying? He's like, listen, every single person here, and if you're here this this morning or watching on the Internet, if you're to die right now, and I'm going to put this out here at front, I'll answer the question a little bit later today. But here's the difference to to, to basically, am I a Christian or not? I I, I go to, I I believe I'm a Christian, but am I a Christian? Well, here's the question you got to answer. And this pretty much defines who is and who is not a true Christian. And here's the question. If you were to die this very minute, where would you go? There's a Christian. (laughs) And I know Lewis, and I know he means it. And you say, well, how how can you know for sure if you died you're going to go to heaven? I think I'm going to go there. I hope I'm going to go there. Well, then please listen, because you might go under the name Christian, but you may not be one. If you say, well, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know I was a, I am a sinner. I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. I believe that Jesus Christ, God's son, came down from heaven, died on the cross for my sins, was buried, and three days later rose again. And I believe, according to the Bible, that uh, why Jesus, God's son, came down was to pay for my sins. That I cannot work my way to heaven. There's nothing I can do to get myself to heaven. And I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I accepted His free gift of salvation for by here it goes, folks, for. By grace, God's free and merited gift, are you saved? Saved from sin, saved from the penalty of sin. For by grace, are you saved through faith? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. So by faith, we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. That's it. Have you ever done that? Well, if you've not... If you've never understood that, and we'll get into it a little more uh, at the end of the message, then uh, uh, you would not fall into this category as one of the Christians yet, but hopefully by the time you walk out, that changes. So he says, listen, uh, uh, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed, metamorphosis by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, I pray now that as we look into the perfect, awesome, inspired word of God, that Father, you'd speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that not a single one of us, including me, would walk out of here the same way we walked in. Father, we pray that as always, that the word of God would penetrate our hearts, that we'd be open to that, that those areas in which maybe we've been a little bit weak, maybe some of those areas that we've totally ignored that, Father, through the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit might work in our hearts this morning and move us closer to you. So, Father, as always, we ask that you do what only you can do, revive the saved and save the lost. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Do you believe everything in life should revolve around your needs? It's very, and you say, absolutely not. That's not me. I'm not, I'm not narcissistic. I'm not self-centered. I'm worried about others' needs. Well, that's the good Sunday school answer. But uh, is it true? And again, I don't, this is not, and, and this happens every time I preach a message like this. This is a little more punchy message than I usually do. But when you hear things and it's like, oh man, he's picking up. No, I'm not picking on you. If you feel convicted or you feel like, man, why are you bringing that up? Would you please talk to the Holy Spirit and ask him? because this is just the Word of God, folks. If it pricks your heart, think about why it's pricking your heart, okay? And and if it doesn't, you say, man, yeah, that's good preaching. Preach it, brother. Uh, You're probably pretty good at that area. Does that make sense? Again, this isn't to point fingers at anybody. And they say, you know, you point that finger, you got three pointing back at yourself. So this is the Word of God. So don't, Take it personal, but don't take it personal, if you get what I mean. All right, so do you uh, believe everything in in, in life should revolve around your needs? And we get very narcissistic. We get very uh, introspective. We want everything to be about us, but is that the way God wants things to be? Is it truly better to give than to receive? (laughs) I believe so. Now, some of you are like, and and especially our young kids, man, when Christmas time comes, what do they want? Man, and I can't wait to get down and see, uh, uh, get to the tree or whatever you use. Some of you do, some of you don't, or get down and get the presents, and it's like, man, I can't wait to get the presents. I was the same way when I was a kid. It was all about me. Where's this? Where's that? I want this. I want that. Hopefully, I got what I asked for. And, And I'm telling the truth. I love Christmas, but I don't like it. You say, well, what part don't you like about it? I really don't, and I mean this, I don't like getting gifts. I feel embarrassed. I feel like I don't deserve this. It's like, you know, I'm I'm a big boy now. I don't need things. And I know our our kids and and others, they, they sacrifice and they give you gifts. And it's like, I just don't. That's my heart. Now, maybe it's because I'm, I'm older, or oh, for, strike that, forget I said that. Man, who knows? But it, it, it is. Some of you are like, man, I just, is it better to give than to receive? How do you define love? The whole thing we're looking at this morning is love without hypocrisy. Now, boy, that's, that's just like, what does all that mean, love without hypocrisy? Well, what is love? We're going to be looking, and we'll we'll go through the, the Scripture in just a moment, but we're going to be talking about hypocrisy and love for Christians. What does that mean? Well, we're going to examine the biblical contrast of good and evil and the subsequent attributes and actions Christians should use to focus on the Lord and those around them. So let's get to the first verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Now, before I go into the technical application of this and uh, exegesis, you say, well, what's exegesis? It's verse by verse, going through Scripture, describing what it means. And that's what we're going to be doing all day. I try to think, and, and I try to think, yeah, I usually do. I try. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, this morning as I was thinking about this, it's like, and, and I don't know why, but every single Sunday morning, for whatever reason, the first illustration I want, it doesn't come till Sunday morning. And it popped into my head this morning. How do you describe love without hypocrisy? I worked with a, an individual some years ago. He was a little bit uh, higher up in the food chain, so to speak. And a good guy, he was a friend. But uh, at times he would have an issue with someone, and I and I he used this particular phrase I'm going to share with you, and it's like talk about an antithesis, talk about love with hypocrisy, and here's the statement, and he'd tell somebody, "I love you like a brother," but, and oh, the buts were usually pretty bad, and uh, boy, then he would go to. Uh, Really telling them, I love you like a brother, but, and ba-boom, the hammer fell. Now, folks, and don't try and figure out who it is, because you will not know who the person is. You're like, ah, you're talking about the, no, I'm not talking about Sheriff Clark, okay? He didn't say that. <laughs> I worked with him for 15 years, those of you that are new here. Anyway, the bottom line is this. The facade is, ah, I love people. I care about people. I love them like a brother. By the way, that word is going to come up in our discussion. I love them like a brother, but, oh boy, here comes the hammer. So, here's, let's, and by the way, when you look at the, uh, and some of you know what those are, actors, masks. you got, uh, they would turn their head, and, and we'll show you another one in a minute. Literally, one side is happy, the other side is frowning on some of them, or they have the different colors. Why? Because it's hypocritical. It's like, well, I say this with one side of my face, but out of the other I say this. Well, what are we talking about? So, we talk what Paul is trying to point out here is how to contrast what is good for God's people and what's evil. What's wrong? What is something we want to avoid? And in Romans 12, let love, and we'll give you the I I know some of you don't like it, but we need this at times. we got to go to the original language to really understand the depth of what's being said here, and we'll get there in just a moment. But we're going to start the English part, and then I'll give you the Greek aspect. And you're like, well, it's Greek to me. Well, it's Greek to me, too, but I actually get it, and hopefully you will, too. All right, but he says, let love be without hypocrisy. So we're doing that which is good. That which God's people should be doing. That's which the brethren, the brothers and sisters in Christ, should be doing. It's love. It's caring about others in a very deep way. But it's got to be without the evil aspect of hypocrisy. So what does hypocrisy mean? It basically means you say one thing, but you do exactly the opposite. That's hypocritical. I love you like a brother, but... Uh-oh. Problem. All right? Let's go to the a uh, little more... Uh, a depthy look. So here's the mask where it shows you. Yeah, you're you're happy on one side, sad on the other, which which is true, and that's what he's saying. Uh, is what you say the same as what you actually mean? Is what you portray to do actually what you do do? So when we look at the word love, and most of you are familiar with this, when we talk about pure Christian love, what is the word that comes up? And most of you can j- just say it. Agape, all right? Most of you are very familiar with that word. Agape love. If you look at the lexicons, which are the uh, English versions, and they help describe what uh, the word means, it's a pure Christian love. Basically, it's the highest form of love. There's multiple different Greek words, which I won't get into a Greek lesson, but uh, uh, there's multiple different words that are in the Greek language which really help to define, what are you talking about? Well, we're going to look at two of those this morning. The first one is agape, which is the purest, most sincere form of love. It's basically, as close as you can get to this definition, giving everything you can to someone else without expecting anything else in return. It's love. It's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. He went to the cross. What did he get? Horrible torture, killed. Why did he do that? What did he expect to get out of that? Well, here's what he got out of it. He got a horrible death. He was buried three days and rose again. Why did he do that? Because he gave his life to pay for our sins. He went through that horrible torture because he loved us unconditionally. But folks, there's a little caveat, as we said a few minutes ago. To to accept that free gift of eternal life, there is one thing you have to do. Believe it. Accept it by faith. So there is one aspect of that. But agape, again, is pure love. Let love, pure love with your neighbor, with those around you, be without hypocrisy. Well, what's the word hypocrisy? Well, the word, the, again, I'm sorry for going to the language again, but without hypocrisy is two words in English. It's one word in the Greek language. And, and, you say, and some of you might be not familiar with this. You're like, well, why are you going to the Greek? The original manuscripts of the Bible were written in the Old Testament in Hebrew, Aramaic, and the New Testament in Greek. So that's why we go back to the languages to sometimes the little word studies help us to understand the depth of what God was saying. So back in the original, the Greek language without hypocrisy in English is actually can be defined as one word, sincere it's, it's sincere, it's pure, it's uncorrupted, it's genuine. So what is he saying in, in our vernacular? And an easy way to say it is let love be sincere. Let love be pure. Let love be uncorrupted. Let love be genuine. So we want the absence of hypocrisy and when we love others. Folks, here's the thing. When you're around friends, when you're seeing people, when you're going up to them, when you're greeting them, or maybe there's someone that isn't on your ten most favorite Christmas card list, and, and you come up to them and you extend your hand, oh, it's so good to see you, but... that's hypocrisy. And God's saying, listen, here's, here's a revival. You want, you want to know what true revival is? It's when you go up to that person that uh, rubbed you the wrong way. And you want to put that but in there. But you don't. And it's like, man, there he is. There she is. Ah, man, I just really don't relate to them real well. In fact, if I'm honest, I really don't like them. And God says, why? Why? Well, let me tell you why. And God says, why? You ever have a, and uh, I forget who, who said. Oh, Justin did it this morning. He's like, you know, God God wants to hear our questions. And we get annoyed with, uh, sometimes with uh, others that ask us questions. Well, have you, have you ever had one of the children, or maybe you are one or were one, and uh, uh, the mom or dad says, well, here's the way it's going to be, and, uh, and what do they say? Why? And they say, well, this is why. And they go, why? And I mean, it's like, enough whys. Just do it. Uh, uh, but here's the issue. Uh, uh, what is that love without hypocrisy, without uh, a deception, And he says what? Abhor what is evil. All right, so what's God saying? Listen, we need to love without hypocrisy, and part of that is to literally abhor what is evil. The word abhor, again, if we we look at it, it means to hate it, to loathe it. Hate what is evil. Now, why all of a sudden, right after he says love without hypocrisy, do we get to the antithesis of that? We go right into, you better hate something. You better loathe it. You you better abhor something. Well, hate what's evil. Those things that creep into our lives that cause problems, those things that cause dissension, those things that cause division, those things that make us rear up against somebody and get mad at them. And God says, listen, hate the evil, but don't hate the sinner. Some people rebel at this concept, but boy, did Jesus love the sinner? For God so loved the world, that's each one of us, that's the sinners, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have ever let, does God care about the Son? Of course he did, he came to die for Him. He loved them. But God demonstrates his love for us in this and that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. So he says, listen, lo, the poor, that which is evil, that which is wicked, base, Bad, worthless, degenerate, morally corrupt. Hate those things. Folks, you can't love properly if you're loving sin. That's basically the bottom line here. You say, man, you know, sin's fun for a season. Sin's good. I'll enjoy some bad things, and I enjoy doing them, and I enjoy the results, and I enjoy the way I feel. And God says, hate it. Like, wow, that's pretty harsh. That's pretty harsh. And it is, but you know why? Because God knows that when you hate that which is evil, how do you think your life's going to turn out? You know, and again, and I'm not going to go into specifics here, but I was, you say, how could you have been in law enforcement for 32 years and be a preacher? Read the book. But here's what happens. If we were to go down to Main Street in Union Grove, about 2 o'clock last night and the bars are letting out and people come staggering out and they get into their cars and they go out as many do every single Friday and Saturday especially and they start driving their cars they're inebriated next thing you know they're slamming into another car kill someone Next thing you know, they slam into someone else and catastrophic injuries of which the people will never recover fully from. Life is basically ruined financially. Things are horrible. And I hope this is a rhetorical question. Do not answer. I'm doubting that any of you, but maybe some did fall into this scenario. I doubt that any of you were sitting in a bar last night till 2 in the morning. I pretty much doubt that. It's possible, but I doubt it. How do you feel this morning? You got a hangover? Like, well, of course not. I wasn't drinking. Did you you fall on your face when you got out of bed because you were so high on cocaine or fentanyl or marijuana? Like, well, no, I don't do that. Well, that's what God's saying here. Listen, you abhor that which is evil, and you're going to wake up feeling pretty good today. Now, you might have a little cold, or you might have some folks got a cough, and this, that, and whatever. But listen, God's saying, abhor that which is evil. How about the apprehension of good? So he comes again. Now, bam, we go to the other side. Love without hypocrisy. Cling to that which is good, that which is honorable, that which is acceptable in God's eyes. Cling to it. And I like this picture because and boy, I, I do not get it. Some of you guys and gals that like to rock climb and go on side of cliffs, and it's like, why do you do that? But go for it. I'm not going to do it. But uh, I, my hands are definitely not strong enough to hold this little body up. Some of you call it the little. All right. Anyway, uh, uh, they put their hands up. They grab the rocks, and they're clinging to it with everything they got because if they let go, what happens? They fall to their death or get catastrophically injured, and God says, listen, you know what's good. By the way, there's not a single person in here that doesn't know what good is. You know. You know. Because you know what? You're born with an inbred conscience that God gave you, Romans 1. You know what's good. Now, some people, their minds are seared. What does that mean? It means their conscience becomes so corrupted, so away from God, that their conscience is literally seared. Folks, if you're a Christian this morning, your conscience is not seared. In fact, every time you decide to do something you know you shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit starts to bang on the heart's door and say, hey, uh, uh, what are you doing? And you either say yes or no to it, but he's there banging on the door of your heart. Well, let's get to the real point this morning. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. What does he mean, kindly affectionate? It's loving Dearly love, be kindly, affectionate, dearly, sincerely, platonically, means keep your hands off, platonically loving the person sitting next to you, sitting across from you, sitting in this room, sitting wherever they may be, or standing as the case may be. And God says, listen, Christian, if you want to show my love towards others, if you want to truly have revival in your heart, be kindly, affectionate to one another. Dr. Wearsby, Pastor Wearsby, who's passed away now, but he wrote a set of books on one another. It's called the One Another series. There's many of these in scriptures, and he's talking about this is how God's people need to treat God's people. Be kindly, affectionate to one another. And here's that other Greek, the second level of love. With brotherly love. And there's the word up there, the word Philadelphia is literally the transliteration of the greek word being spoken of here what does it mean it means love for your fellow believer folks this is one of the hardest things for god's people to get a hold of do you know how easy it is to criticize someone do you know how easy it is to tear somebody down do you know how easy it is to be disgruntled do you know how easy it is to start something that's going to cause friction between you and someone else folks God begs us over and over and over in the Scripture. This is not an anomaly passage. This is constantly throughout the Bible. Why? Because Satan himself knows if he can get us to fight one another, if he can get us to go against your neighbor, to go against someone else, to cause disruption, folks, Satan can not destroy the church from without, but he can do a real good job from within. I mean, he will try to pitch you against your... They're a Christian. And he says, listen, don't say I love you like a sister, but... Don't say I love you like a brother, but... There's no but. Get it out of your vernacular. It's like, but you don't understand they... I mean, I have a hard time with that person. They do things which annoy me. I don't like it. And God says, would you please stop? Would you please stop? Would you please keep your critical comments to yourself? Mama told me, if you don't have anything good to say about somebody, what's the next part? Yeah, you had good mamas too. (laughs) Right? And that's exactly the point. Don't say it. Silencio, por favor. Be quiet. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brother love. Here's another one. In honor. Honor. Giving preference to one another. What does preference mean? Esteem the next person more highly. Whew. Wait a minute. That's uh, not in our society. It's all, about, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what you better make me happy. You better do what I say. Folks, that's why marriages fall apart. That's why relationships fall apart. That's why relationships at work and at school and right here at church, it can happen if we're not careful that we do things and say things that do what? That it's all about me. It better be my way or else. Now, there are certain things that are convictions, but 99.999% of stuff we get upset about is not a conviction. It's a preference. It's what I want. It's not necessarily what God wants, but this is what I want, period. I've talked to you guys before about this. It's never happened here. I trust it never will. But uh, some of you folks say, you know, these pews are hard to sit on. We like to have chairs in here instead of pews. Maybe that will happen someday. Don't know. But you know what, what the first problem's going to be? Well, I want gray color. And I want dark red. And I like bright green. Folks, you know how many churches have split over that? I'm not kidding. If they put the wrong color carpet in and five, ten people say, what in the world were you thinking putting that color carpet in here? Are you crazy? They split churches over it. That's love with hypocrisy. So, folks, boy, we got to be so careful. And it's like, man, the stuff. Silliest things that we get upset about. All of a sudden, they cause these ridiculous divisions. Uh, don't lag in diligence, doing one's best and right with a sense of urgency. Folks, uh, some of you need to uh, uh, have a sense of urgency about loving others. That's what he's saying here. Love without hypocrisy. Do that which is right. Abhor that which is evil. Cling to that which is good. Help your neighbor out. Love on them. we got to hasten. Fervent in spirit. Fervent in spirit. Are you excited about the Lord? Are you enthusiastic about the Lord? Are you on fire for the Lord? Is there revival in your heart? Is God doing something to move you? I was thinking about this last couple of days and about prayer time here at church. So for the last, uh, uh, for the month of March, six thirty to seven, we have a half an hour prayer time praying for revival here at church for individuals. Our church and across the country and across the world, I said, you know, one thing we've never done here, and it's about time we do. Next week, for those that are interested and able, eight thirty a.m. down in the mezzanine. If you're willing to come and pray for the service from eight thirty to nine, or any time in that window, fire room mezzanine where uh, Mike Unger's class is, meet in the back part of the mez. Uh, classroom, and you come together, and some of you just have the gift of prayer. I want to call it that because you just pray and pray, and God answers, and uh, others that may want to take part, Uh, but 830 to 9, if you're interested, uh, anybody, any age, can go down to that room, 830 to 9, and uh, it's just going to be consistent from now on. You say, is this an initiative? No, it's not an initiative. It's a proclamation. we got to pray, folks. We need God's help. God cannot change hearts if we're not in tune with him. So effective uh, next Sunday morning. Uh, before the service 830 to 9 if you're interested uh, we want to get folks that that love the lord that can pray and i know everybody can't be there i don't expect 200 people down there and uh, that's why we're doing it in the mezzanine. room but if you can and those of you that love to pray and got a handle on god 830 to 9 meet in the mezzanine i will not be there because i'm doing stuff here it's in, uh maybe josh if you can you can at least get it started uh he's got things to do as well uh but but do it if you can Alright, let's move on. Serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. Now why do we show a bunch of towels there when we talk about serving the Lord? Well, how about let's be like Jesus. Jesus came up to His disciples before He's going to be crucified. And He looked at the disciples, including Judas, who was about to betray Him. Including Peter, who would deny Him three times. He said, sit down, guys. And He grabbed... a basin of water and a towel, and he begins to go disciple to disciple. Now, back in the day, of course, they wore sandals. They went through dirty, filthy streets. Excrement on the ground, dirt on the ground. They're walking through this, and Jesus walks up to them, kneels down, and says, "Listen, I'm gonna wash your feet." And uh, as you recall, the 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 account, several disciples said, "All right, Lord, if that's what you want to do, I guess go for it." He comes up to Peter. Remember good old Peter? Peter says, not so much, Lord. Uh, not, no, you're not going to touch my feet. It's disgusting. It's dirty. And, and you're, you're, you're the Lord. You don't do that. What did Jesus tell him? If you don't let me wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. And then Peter uh, got a revival, a little too big a one. And he says, all right, not just my feet, but my whole body. And Jesus says, no, the feet will be just fine. What was, what was the Lord doing? He's saying, listen, there's a person who hates me in this room. There's a person who's going to betray me in this room. And what does he do? He didn't say, I, I hate you. I know what you're going to do. Get out of my presence. I'm not washing your rotten feet. He bows down and cleans them up. You say, man, that's some humility. I agree. You say, Well, this person wait a minute. Jesus knelt us down, washes the feet of Judas. I guess I can be nice to my neighbor. I guess I can love my neighbor. I guess I can be nice. I guess I can help him. I guess maybe I can just let it go. Where's Carly? Let it go, right? I love that. Let it go. Being happy regarding your future in the Lord, in the Lord rejoicing in hope. Listen, folks, do you know how happy you will be when instead of getting bitter and angry and backbiting and fussing with somebody, you let it go, and you rejoice in who God is? Listen, you want to go to bed feeling rotten, I mean, you just want to go to bed, have your stomach turning upside down, you're getting acid attacks, your head isn't feeling good, your life is a wreck and ruin because you're so mad at somebody, you're so bitter at them, and you're holding a grudge, and you're mad as a hornet about what they did. And God says, would you love without hypocrisy? Do you know when they go to bed, they're just sleeping like a little lamby? They could care less what you think. But man, it's like, I can't believe what they did today. I can't believe what they did. I can't believe. You want to know one of the biggest issues with mental health? It's not letting go. Now, I'm not talking about those that have diagnosed issues and uh, uh, chemical imbalances. I'm talking about those that have really, they're just having a hard time dealing with life. And 90% of the times it's because we get self-centered and think only about moi, about me. Well, I didn't get what I want. I didn't get the promotion I wanted. I didn't get the raise I wanted. I didn't get the test I wanted. I didn't get hired where I should have gotten hired. I didn't get the love that I should have gotten from my spouse. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. God says, well, just stop then and you give it. You stop and, and be the best at who you are, and what you can do. And uh, uh, he says rejoice in hope. Hope of what? Well, hope of eternity with God. Now, that's not a false hope. Again, and you've heard me say this, I don't like the word hope in English. It really means assurance. Rejoice in the assurance of what's coming, and eternity with the Lord in heaven. Folks, that is perfect, and it will be perfect. Patient in tribulation. We're almost out of time, so I'm just going to quote the verses. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Most of you know them. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Folks, it's going to get rough at times. It's going to get harsh at times. You're going to suffer at times. You're going to go through difficulties at times. You're going to get bad news sometimes. And God says, listen, when you're going through suffering, when you're going through tribulation, just be patient and do what only we can do. Trust the Lord. Distributing to the needs of saints. Folks, I, I, I just I, I, this is one of the things I've seen happen so many times right here, and it just thrills my heart. Somebody has a need. Somebody's in trouble. Somebody's financially hurting. And all of a sudden, somebody pops up and says, hey, do you know anybody in church that could use whatever amount of money it is? Sometimes it's 100 bucks. Sometimes it's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred, thousand dollars It's dollars it's, it's like, well, yeah, actually I do. And I'll sometimes name the person. If the person wants to be anonymous, I won't. And I say, yeah, I'd, Absolutely. Now, some people say, well, great, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of that, I'm going to go see them and take care of their need. Others will say, listen, I don't want them to know uh, uh, that this is coming from me, and all of a sudden uh, I get an envelope with some money or a lot of money sometimes in it, and uh, it's like, would you give it to them, but don't tell them? I'm like, absolutely. And we make sure they get it. That's distributing to the needs of the saints. Now, all of you can't give money. All of you don't have big, giant bank accounts. Some of you can give a little, some a lot. And this is not about giving in church, by the way. This is about helping others. And distributing the needs of the saints when somebody's hurting, when somebody's in trouble, when somebody's uh, done the best they absolutely can, and they're trying to work, and they're trying to meet their bills, and they're trying to do things right, and they got a need. That can be financial. It can be emotional. It can be going through tough times. And I saw him come in, uh, Patrick and Leah. We talked about you just a little bit this morning. When, uh, Patrick uh, losing his dear uncle. I think I'm going to close with that after I do one thing. I'm going to talk about hospitality, and then I want to share something that I think is important. Given to hospitality. Folks, we do a lot of hospitality in church. But you know what? Take a look around you. There's folks here that need some hospitality. There's folks that you can invite to dinner. There's folks you can take out to the restaurant. There's folks that you can take out for coffee. There's folks that you can have over to your home. Show hospitality. I I tell you, and, and one of the best things we've done here, and I'm still sorry we haven't gotten everybody because we just keep getting new folks, and I keep taking newer folks out, and some of you that have been here for a long time, I truly haven't gotten to you yet, and I feel horrible about that. We take, the, the best way for me to understand who people are, to meet them, and actually remember their names, we go out to eat. We were doing uh, dinners at the ministry center. We go out to eat together. Folks, that's how you get to know folks. Given the hospitality. Well, I'm going to close with this. And I don't think I'm divulging anything I can't hear. Patrick called me up, uh, I don't know, 10 days ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, and asked me to uh, visit his uncle. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And I would scheduled uh, to go see him on Friday last week. I want you to hear this. I don't know if he was saved or not saved. I never got an opportunity. Patrick would know. But it's like, man, yeah, Friday, I'm going to go see him. On Wednesday, before the Friday, I got one of the worst texts I've gotten in a long time. And he said, my uncle just went home. He just passed away. I mean, I, I, read, I, I, just, I, I, I read it first thing. I'm, I'm just getting out of bed. I read it, and I'm like, Ugh. I was seriously upset with myself. Again, I don't know his spiritual condition, but it's like, man, if I would have had a little more of a sense of urgency, maybe I could have gotten there. Maybe I could have switched the schedules around a little bit. The reason I bring that up, folks, is because you see there's folks just like his uncle, just like others that we know. And you're going to get the text, and it's somebody or the phone call, or you're going to see the obituary, and it's like, I really needed to go see that person. I really needed, uh, uh, maybe it's a Christian, I really needed to make it right with that person. Maybe it's someone who didn't know Christ and you never shared the gospel with them and you knew deep down inside, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. And we put it off and we don't make the relationship right or we don't go to see the person that's unsaved. And the next thing you know, the opportunity is passed. I went to see his aunt on Friday. But he wasn't there. He wasn't there. We had a good conversation, but he wasn't there. Folks, who do you know that's not going to be there someday that you need to make things right with? Who do you know that's headed for an awful place called hell? You say, I didn't think we talked about hell anymore in church. Oh, we talk about hell in church a lot because it's a real place. Let me remind you as we close. All across this room this morning, and I don't know your specifics, but all across this room this morning, I know because I have a little understanding about people. Are people who are mad at someone, upset with somebody... Or maybe it's just as simple as I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to. I want people to be friendly to me and love me, but I have no intention of going out of my comfort zone and talking to folks. Would you change your mind this morning? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to move within you? Would you allow yourself to have a little revival in your heart and to love without hypocrisy this morning? What do you need to do, Christian? I I know things I need to do. What do you need to do? Only do you know what God wants you to do this morning. Finally, if you're here, we we shared what was called the gospel. Do you know for sure if he died, you go to heaven? The Bible says this very specifically that we've all sinned and come short to the glory of God. Romans three twenty three. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. You can't you can't escape it. And the Bible also says because I've sinned, if what I got, uh, uh, if what I got, if I, if I received what I deserve, I go to an awful place called the lake of fire, hell. Revelation twenty one eight. But Jesus Christ loves you. Isn't that good? Jesus loves you. And that's why we need to love others to be like Jesus. Jesus so loved you that he comes down from heaven, goes to that rotten cross, is nailed to it, gives his life, is buried, and three days later rose again. That's, did Jesus have a right to be mad at us for what we caused him to do? Absolutely. But he said, I did it because I love you. I did it. I endured the pain. I suffering because I love you. Have you ever received the free gift of eternal life by placing your faith in Him? I want to invite you to do that. I can't make you do it. There's no formula to it except this. It's by faith. One last time, we just said a little bit earlier, for by grace, God's free unmerited gift. gift. God's free unmerited gift. That's grace. For by grace, Are you saved? What does saved mean? Saved from sin. Saved from the penalty of sin. For by grace are you saved through faith. And it's not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of works lest any person should boast. A little bit earlier, you saw as uh, Josh went up and down the aisles and he had a book in his hand and he, he handed the book out and, and it's a free gift and people said, sure, I'll take that. And they took the free gift. They didn't pay for it. They didn't have to do anything to get it. They just reached out their hand and took it. Will you accept God's free gift? Father, thank you for your love for us. Lord, we need a revival. We need a revival in my heart. We need a revival in all our hearts, Lord, as we draw closer and closer and closer, and closer to you. Father, I pray first of all, For God's people here this morning, it's a tough message. It's a hard message. It's a penetrating message. It's a convicting message. And Lord, every single one of us, I think, to some degree, have to say, yeah, I've fallen a little short here. I've not loved others maybe quite the way I should. I've not been clinging to that which is good and abhorring that which is evil. Maybe I've been a little too unkind or a little unforgiving or a little bit too standoffish. Father, would you help me? Would you help me? Would you break my heart this morning and help me to love like a you've asked us to do? I'm going to ask Christians. I don't do this very often. Every head is bowed, every eye closed. Folks, I, I, I'm trusting God's doing something here. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit's moving in, uh, among us this month. I want to just ask you, Has God done something in your heart? Have you said, listen, I know I've not been doing right here. I need to fix this. I want to fix this. I want to move forward. I don't want to embarrass anybody in any way. But listen, if that's you this morning, you say, Brother Rich, sometimes it just helps. Sometimes it just helps to let me pray for you. And you acknowledge by lifting up the hand and say, Pastor, which would you would you please pray for me this morning? I, I truly want I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. Let's just say, listen, if God's moved in your heart this morning, you say, oh, God, would you please help me? And you know the area. Would you lift your hand up right now? Say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you all over the auditorium all over the auditorium. Anyone else, uh, just lift it up. Say, God, would, would you please change my heart? Would you help me? God bless you. Others, you can put those hands down. Others say, listen, oh, God, would you please do this this morning? Would you change my heart? Would you make me what you want me to be? Anyone else this morning? Any Oh, many more, many more. God bless You, you can put those hands down. God's doing something. That's what we ask the Holy Spirit to do. I'm going to go one more place, which I usually don't go, but I'm going to. If you're here this morning and you said, Brother Rich, I'm not sure if I died i go to heaven when I walked in. I'm, I, 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 you might have just by faith received Christ, or maybe you're still wondering. I would like to pray for you too. You say, Brother Rich, when I walked in, I wasn't sure if I died I'd go to heaven. Would you stick your hand up and, and let me pray for you? Stick it up high. Brother Rich, if I, if I died this morning, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. Anyone in the room this morning? Father, I pray now that, Lord, you do in our hearts what needs to be done. Lord, I believe you're doing something in this church. I believe you're doing something in our hearts. And, Father, I pray that we would walk out of here not the same way we walked in. Lord, I pray that that the the old devil himself, the demonic army, Lord, that you squelch them, keep them from our folks, Lord, as they try to progress in their walk with you. Do something marvelous, Lord. We look forward to the results. And we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. And all God's people said.